0: Hello and welcome to the How BJJ Works podcast, the podcast where we do a deep dive and explore a concept or topic that was covered in the weekly blog post on the website. My name is Justin and I am your host. I'm a three-stripe purple belt who's been training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu for about seven years. This podcast is mostly targeted at newcomers to BJJ or those who are curious about the sport and would like to learn more before taking the plunge. That being said, all are welcome. If you've been training for a while but just like to listen to people talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, please take a seat and stay a while. Today's episode is going to be what to know before your first BJJ class, and this is going to be a really good one for people who are just starting or thinking about starting. And even if you've been going for a few classes or maybe even a little bit of time, maybe like a month or something, you may get some insight into things you hadn't thought of or maybe just questions you hadn't been brave enough to ask yet. And the first thing we're going to cover is getting clean. So you may have rolled with, if you've already been starting, you may have rolled with this person, this guy or girl, who doesn't smell very good. Either they're not doing their laundry, or they work a very manual labor-intensive job, and they are really sweaty and then don't get clean before class. So don't be that person, right? So there's a couple things you can do. You can take a shower before class starts. I know it seems a little weird to take a shower both before and after, but if you're coming to the gym already sweaty, I would highly suggest taking a shower before class. And not only will you feel better, and that's another reason to do it, is it can be a really nice way to kind of reset just your entire day. Just like hit the reset button. So maybe you had a really stressful day at work, you go to the gym, you hop in the shower, oh man, the hot water feels good. You just get to like take a minute and just be by yourself and kind of have a a moment of quiet, right? Just like, okay, (laughs) you know, work's done, now I get to have fun. And you get the added benefit of not smelling like a sweaty mess, right? Uh, Additionally, you can also put on some deodorant, or maybe you don't get a chance to take a shower, and you just slap on some deodorant on top or, or some spray on stuff, you know. Maybe help mask the smell if you smell bad those can be nice things that you do for your training partners. We've already talked in previous episodes about finding a gym with uh, facilities that have showers. We also talked about buying an extra stick of deodorant just to keep in your gym bag, right? So these are all things you can take care of ahead of time. Uh, The other one would be brushing and flossing and or using mouthwash. So my favorite thing to do is to just brush my teeth in the shower, right? Just do it all at once. It's very efficient. I like it a lot. Uh, If you can't brush and floss, which is fine, I get not everyone's going to have the time or the desire. You might be like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That's fine. Just swish the mouthwash, right? Or even just like swish some water. Just get those like food particles because you're already going to be probably dripping sweat on people when you're rolling with them. You really don't want a bunch of food particles and bad breath coming their way as well. Right. So it's just one more nice thing you can do. And all those things really add up. If you show up to class with a consistently fresh smelling ghee, because you're doing your laundry like you should be doing, and you're not a sweaty mess, and you put on your deodorant, and maybe you're swishing some mouthwash before class, you're you're just going to be so much more enjoyable to roll with. I can't stress that enough. And this isn't a problem most people have, right? Most people don't walk around in a sweaty, nasty mess. Most people are pretty good. But just think about it. Think about whether this is something you need and whether this is something you can do for your training partners. The next thing would be to arrive early to class. Now, this is especially true if you're new. Right. And to be fair, I don't always (laughs) I don't always fall under this category. I don't always arrive early to class. But especially if you're a new person, you absolutely should be arriving early to class. And especially if this is your first day, right? There's a whole number of reasons for that. You're going to need to sign the waiver, probably sign a contract if you're doing a month-to-month, or pay in some manner. They're going to want to show you the ropes, introduce you, kind of show you where things are, tell you what their structure is. And you'll probably have questions. Or or maybe they won't even want you to roll with the general population. They may want to do a private lesson with you or kind of have you off to the side. And don't be too worried about this. I mean, they're going to probably notice you're a new person, right? They're gonna see you come in the door and you're gonna look lost, and they're gonna be like, oh, you look new. And they'll kind of probably guide you through the path. But it is important to show up early so that you have enough time to change just in case you are gonna be a part of the class. But, you know, if you don't know what the schedule is and you just drop by and you're like, I wanna do this this looks really cool. What do I need to do? You know, they'll work with you as well, probably. But let's say that you have already signed up, and you're going to your first class, or one of your first classes, and you've already kind of talked to somebody there. You've paid, you know when to show up, and you're going to go there. Okay, so you're going to show up, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes early if you want. I would recommend arriving in your just regular clothes, or kind of like a a comfortable set of clothes, and packing your gear and all that stuff. Uh, I'll get to the reason for this later on. Also, make sure you have your flip-flops. You've got your towel, right? Your your things, your deodorant, all your extra stuff that we talked about before in terms of uh, what gear you need. So, plug to my previous episode. So, when you go to the gym, you're going to take your shoes off in the designated area. And at this point, you might put on your flip-flops, or maybe it's just appropriate to walk around in your socks or barefoot, see what everyone else is doing, ask questions if you're unsure. You're going to go to the bathroom. You're going to change, or the, the changing room, whatever it is. You're going to change into your gi, and then you're going to put on your flip-flops uh, in there, because it's probably going to be a bathroom-type setting, and that's the probably the place you're going to want to put in your flip-flops. And then you're going to go out and wait until it's time for class. Maybe that means you go sit in a seated waiting area. Maybe that means you just kind of stand around with a group of people. Maybe that means there's space on the mat. Sometimes people will actually go sit kind of on the sidelines of the mat waiting for the other class to be finished. Or maybe this is the first class of the day and you just walk onto the mat. Some people will start kind of stretching or warming up. The important thing here is that you give yourself enough time to comfortably get changed, to kind of Maybe take a shower if you want to do that before class. You know, just enjoy yourself. Don't be so rushed. Don't show up late and, you know, be scrambling to get everything done, especially if you're a newer person, you know, because you're already going to be kind of lost (laughs) during class as it is. You don't want to add the additional stress of showing up super late on top of that. Another thing to consider, just a quick aside here, when you're putting your stuff in the changing room or whatever it ends up being, see if there's lockers or if there's something, some way you can secure your valuables, it's usually not a huge deal, but just check with the front desk, see if that's an option they have. In my experience, most gyms don't need this. The the culture is so tight-knit, the community is so close, that nothing really gets stolen. I'm sure it happens. I'm sure there are gyms where it happens, especially in really big ones. Maybe there's a lot of of people coming and going. Maybe there's some disgruntled students. I don't know. I would imagine it has to happen on some level. Uh, I haven't experienced that um, across many gyms that I've attended, but you know, something to keep in mind and just probably don't bring things that are super valuable into the gym. That's probably a good first rule. You know, keep them locked in your car or or at home and the things that are valuable, maybe you have your cell phone or something, just kind of keep them out of sight. And if you are too worried about it, then ask the instructor where you can secure your valuables. All right, so you're on the mat, you've changed, you arrived early, you're ready to go, class is starting. So now what's going to happen? So generally there's going to be some kind of warm-up, and this is going to look very different depending on the gym you go to. Some of them will do some kind of calisthenics warm-up, some of them will do positional warm-ups, kind of like a flow rolling and a slow rolling type warm-up. Others might have you do movement drills, or you might get a combination of all three. Regardless, there's going to be some way that they have you warm up so that you're not just going into the movements cold. And then they're going to start moving into a technique and a drilling. And this usually involves the instructor showing a technique or series of techniques. They're going to go through the movements. They're usually going to repeat it a few times, make sure everyone's got it. Sometimes they'll ask if anyone has questions. And then you're going to split off into different pairs or groups, depending on how they want to structure it and you're going to drill those techniques. That just means you're going, to, you're going to practice the techniques. And usually the instructor or multiple instructors, or some kind of combination of that, will walk around the room and help the individual partners and pairings and groups with uh, any questions, or they'll point out things that people are doing wrong. Ideally, if you're new, you're going to get paired with somebody who's more experienced, so they can be helping you kind of learn and it's not just two white belts uh, fumbling around with each other trying to figure out what the heck's going on. But sometimes that will happen and so just, you know, be patient with each other. <laughs> Another important thing to note in this section is generally speaking, it's not allowed for white belts to coach other white belts. Now each gym handles this slightly different, but I would just like to point out if you are new and you've had a couple classes under your belt, belt try not to coach other white belts or other people who are new and if somebody does have a question you know try to answer it to the best of your ability but don't actively give advice to other people and in fact this whole situation like I said it's a little different for each gym and it can be a little touchy and it's a bit of a gray area a lot of times between what's coaching and what's just giving advice what's just answering questions the bottom line is that usually if you're a white belt, you probably have a pretty limited understanding and it can almost be worse for you to be giving advice to other white belts. And so just be really aware of that. I, I don't really know if I have any other advice other than to just be aware of it and maybe talk to an instructor or a more advanced student and kind of find out how the gym usually handles that. And it could be that you are, after you've been going a while but you're still white belt it could be that they trust you enough to kind of start working with newer people but just something to keep in mind i just wanted to throw that out there really quick so after the technique and drilling portion you're going to probably roll into some kind of rolling or sparring and if you don't know what that is that's essentially just play wrestling and rolling and sparring are pretty much the same thing within the context of brazilian jiu-jitsu now sparring is a more global term That is used across multiple sports. So sparring in kickboxing is going to look a lot different than sparring in wrestling or sparring in jiu-jitsu. Not all sports will use that terminology, but if you go to kickboxing or MMA, sparring is going to be, okay, now we're going to do the thing with full resistance and the two of you are going to fight within the context of the rules of the sport, right? So in jiu-jitsu, sparring within that context is going to be wrestling, Submission wrestling. Now, sometimes the coaches will have you do a positional roll or a positional sparring, and that might mean that you are only supposed to wrestle within the context of the positions that you worked on probably during class during your drilling portion. So, let's say during your drilling and technique, you are working on crossbody side control from top and holding that position. So, when they move into rolling and sparring, they may say, okay, we're going to do positional rolls. So the context may be you are going to spar with full resistance, but you're going to start in that position. And if you leave that position, they may have you reset the position. Sometimes they'll also have you just keep going, but you're going to start there just so you get more comfortable. Because what we want to do in jujitsu is we want to learn all these different positions And you want to start out with a low amount of resistance so you can get the movement and kind of start to understand it and succeed, be able to actually get it, be to do it. But then you want to start ramping up the resistance because we want this to be real, right? And this is kind of what differentiates the sport from other sports sometimes is that we can test what we're doing. So it's a very scientific method, right? You You have your hypothesis. I think that... I can hold you in cross-body side control and keep you there against full resistance. Okay, let's test it. Can you? Oh no, you know, you got out after 30 seconds or something. You know, and, and you can start adding other movements into this. Maybe you transition to mount or, you know, maybe you get a submission or something. But we want to make sure that what we're doing works against full resistance. And so that's why it's important to both do the technique and the drilling and also have the rolling slash sparring session. Okay, so after class, once you've done your warm-up, you've done your technique, you've done your sparring, and I would also just like to say sometimes gyms will actually end the class officially after the technique and drilling, and then the rolling and sparring part will kind of be like a separate thing on the schedule. You should probably just see it as one whole thing. And if they don't, then they're probably going to make it an open mat and allow people the opportunity to stay and roll after. And if that is the case, then you need to be doing that because sparring is super important to the sport and the development of your game. So if after class they do have an open mat type thing, I would heavily suggest you stay and enjoy and participate. And even if all you're doing is spectating, then that's great too. That's a great place to start. Just watch what other people are doing. And if you don't have that much time, just see if you can get in one roll. You know, five minutes. You can make five minutes work. Additionally, some people might be stretching, doing an extra workout. They might be working on their stand-up game. They might be drilling takedowns. There may be a sauna on premise, and people go into the sauna and do some stretches or just kind of hang out. Sometimes people are just talking around the mat. But after class is when you're going to start becoming a part of the community. And if you even just stick around for a couple minutes and just kind of talk to people or get in a couple rolls or do a little stretching or whatever it is, this is where you're going to start to realize how close-knit these communities are. And you may find that you start developing some friendships here. So if you're looking for the community element of the sport, this is when it's going to happen. The next thing you're going to want to do is shower. I'm going to say it again make sure you shower. (laughs) And you got to shower as soon as you can. That's going to be different for every person. Just don't put it off too long. And then make sure you're changing your clothes as well. And this is why I suggested before that you come in in your street clothes or your work clothes or something that isn't your uniform, essentially, that you change at the gym. Because when you leave, you're going to want to take off your uniform clothes. They're going to be probably soaked with sweat if you're anything like me anyways they're gonna be soaked with sweat and even if they're not they're gonna be smelly and they're gonna be a little sweaty and you're not gonna want to just climb into your car with those on so even if all you do is just bring like a pair of sweatpants or athletic pants and an extra shirt and just change out of them that's perfect you are definitely not going to want to wear that in your car. Your car seat is going to soak up <laughs> that ghee smell and the ghee sweat. And it's after a while, that's going to accumulate. And you're going to have a really hard time getting that smell out of your car, especially if you live in an area where it's hot. So just be really careful about that. And then if you have to wait until you get home to shower, that's totally fine. Just make sure you don't wait too long. You don't want to let that all the funky, matte funk set into your skin. right? You want to get clean as soon as you can. Uh, I have to drive a bit of a ways before I get home and I haven't been showering at the gym lately. I need to start doing that again. It's bad. I need to start showering at the gym. I'm saying it again mostly for myself, (laughs) Uh, but I did for a long time shower at the gym. And then when I switched gyms, I just got out of the habit. It's a new environment and I've just kind of been testing out my new routine. But one thing that I have been doing is I always go to the the sink, the bathroom sink, and I just wash my hands really good with soap and water, and then I I just wash my face and just at least get those things nailed down. And then the moment I get home, I am hopping in the shower. So even if that's all you can do, just make sure you're doing that. The ideal situation is that you are showering at the gym the moment you step off the mat. The other thing I would really recommend is not putting your dirty ghee back in your gym bag. And if you are going to put it in a gym bag, have two different gym bags. Have one that is really easy to clean, and you can put your dirty ghee in that one. But leave your primary gym bag free of the dirty ghee so that you're not contaminating it. That way you're not putting your dirty gym clothes and your clean gym clothes in there. It's not going to work out very well for you. And then, of course, when you get home, if you can wash your gi immediately, ideal situation. There's a lot of different advice online in terms of the different combinations of detergents and other stuff that'll help you get it really clean. I'm not going to go into that here. Look it up if you want to. But sometimes you won't always have the opportunity to wash it right after class. For example, I get home pretty late and my significant other is already asleep. I don't want to start banging around on the washing machine, which is right next to the bedroom. And so I just put it in my laundry basket and then I do it the next morning. If this is your first class, you're also probably going to be really hungry after you're done. I will never forget my first class. It was such a mind-blowing experience, and I had never been that tired ever in my life before. Part of that was because they actually had me rolling with kind of the general population um, on my first day, and not every gym is going to have you do that. Some of them will have you wait before you start sparring or rolling with other people, This gym's mentality was kind of, we want to crush the new people and show them just how effective this sport is. Uh, I have mixed feelings on that. I think in one way, it's a really good way to do it. And another, I see the benefits of not doing it that way. Regardless, it was the right decision for me, for sure. It had me hooked right off the bat, and I could not believe how much I was just getting manhandled by people so much smaller than me. It just blew my mind, and I just instantly was, I, you know, I want to know how to do this. This is amazing. And it just was a lot of fun. It was just so much fun to be play wrestling again. You know, when you're an adult, you don't really get to do a lot of that. You might grow up doing a bunch of that with your friends. But, you know, once you become an adult and you enter into, you know, the social contract and <laughs> the boundaries of society, it's not exactly something you continue doing. Well, maybe some people do, but I hadn't. And so I didn't realize how much I had missed that. But I will never forget how exhausted I was when I walked off the mat. I was just trembling. I was just shaking from total body exhaustion. And I just annihilated my dinner that night. I I think I went out with a friend afterwards and we went out to dinner and I just scarfed down like a cheeseburger and fries and probably some other food and a couple beers And I think I went home and probably ate some more. I was just so hungry. It was ravenous. So be prepared for that. If this is your first time or, you know, if you're new or if you haven't rolled yet, if you've only been in the drilling population and and the gym hasn't let you roll it yet, maybe you don't have enough classes under your belt. Once you start sparring, you are going to be hungry and you might not want to have to prepare the meal (laughs) that same night. So that's why I'm mentioning it now is just know you're going to be hungry, have something ready or be prepared to go out to eat because you're probably not going to have the energy to cook the meal as well. And given that you're going to be so tired, this brings me to the next point. Be really careful on your drive home because there are nights I leave the gym and I am exhausted, I'm beat, I can barely keep my eyes open and you got to just make sure that you're bringing your A game when you step into the car, right? So I know you might be tired. Just really be safe out there, guys. I just, I want everyone to be safe. So something to keep in mind, especially if you're a new person. And the last point I'm going to make is make sure you're getting a lot of sleep. And I'm sure that you've probably been told this your entire life in every sport you've ever done, but I'm just going to plug it again one more time. (laughs) Make sure you're getting a lot of sleep. And that's going to be different for everybody. And you know what you need. And I don't have to tell you eight hours, nine hours, whatever. You'll figure it out. Just make sure that you've got it planned into your schedule, especially when you first start. Although I still try to make sure I get a lot of sleep. There are just nights I come home from the gym and my whole body just feels wrecked and it can really make a difference when you're getting those couple extra hours that you might not have allowed yourself otherwise. I just, I know it makes a huge difference for me and you'll probably find it does for you as well. And that wraps up my advice for the things you need to know before your first class. I'm sure there are lots of little details in there that I probably could have elaborated on. If you think I missed anything really big and important though, definitely let me know. I would love to include that. I've got a lot of really good blog material coming down the pipes, but I'm you know, totally open for any new ideas or anything that you think I missed or that I should touch upon or deep dive into even further. And I will see you next time. This concludes our podcast, but I appreciate you sticking around for the whole episode. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and please leave a review or send me a message to let me know what you thought. In order to make ends meet, I do sell ad space on the website. I also promote affiliate links to products that I think are worth endorsing, and accept donations through Patreon. If you ever want to contribute, your support is greatly appreciated, but don't feel pressured to give anything that you can't afford to anyone ever. Until next time, tap early, train often, and most importantly, have fun.